Hello humans of triathlon and welcome to another episode of the Hot Podcast where we bring you the inspiring world of triathlon one human one story at a time. I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin and we've got another amazing guest for you. Welcome back to Humans of Triathlon. As humans, sometimes, you know, guys, we obsess with getting everything right, you know, and therefore we make plans and lots of plans, you know, and it's normal, no, because we want to have a direction, some sort of purpose. But change is a thing you can count on, like my good friend uh, Miley Cyrus has said before. Plans crumble, and it's precisely moments of change where we're put to the test and where that awesomeness can come out of us. Our guest today was going through these rough, rough life changes and she was lucky enough to meet triathlon. From that day on, she went from zero to hero and I mean like literally, in virtually no time. With only two months of training under her belt, she won her first ever triathlon race. I will repeat this, she won as in W-O-N. And from that moment on, is all history, no? She has had the honor to do the Boston Marathon she qualified, competed, and did awesomely well at the Ironman 70.3 World Championship in Chattanooga, Tennessee last year. And, yes, yes, indeed, she has tasted the honey of the one and the only the Ironman World Championship in Kailua, Kona. With over 40,000 followers on Instagram, she's a daily source of inspiration to thousands. Again, literally. And with one of the coolest pain caves I have ever seen in my life, she has inspired me as well. So, humans of Sargathon listeners, I have the pleasure to introduce you to today, the awesome Ginny Cataldi. Hi, Ginny. Hi, Ginny. Hi, it's so nice to join you. Hi. Welcome. Glad you can make it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this. All right. So, yeah, we're glad to have you on. And, you know, while I was doing my prep for this um, interview... You know, I was going through your posts, your articles and such. And honestly, I was pretty surprised with your story for a number of reasons. I mean, I followed you on Insta for a few months now. And I see your posts regularly, you know, you with a big smile on your face. Um, but I had no idea of your background. So when I was reading up, I found it pretty fascinating. The reasons for which we'll get into in a little bit. But before that, how about we just start off with a little bit about your childhood. Talk to us a little bit about that, you know, what it was like, where and how you were raised, what you were interested in and such. Okay. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania and um, I had a sister and a brother. I was the oldest of three. Um, my parents are still married to this day. And um, I was really interested in art and horses and um, I played softball ever since it was like that father-daughter pitch softball league. And I excelled in field hockey and actually went over to Europe my before my senior year in high school. I made a United States field hockey team and went over there and played. And it was such an awesome experience. Um, I stayed in Pennsylvania through college and ended up living here after graduation. So um, I think I wanted to stay close to my family. I was always very close with my family. And there was sort of a draw to that. And you were a swimmer in college as well, right? 
I was. Well, so I was going to play field hockey and I had um, some knee issues and they suggested that I have surgery and I am not somebody who can sit the bench. I'm like an all in or nothing kind of person. And so because of that, I called the swim coach and I said, hey, uh, these are my times. Can you use me? Do you take walk-ins? And he said, welcome. So I started swimming in on the college team, yes. Wow. What was your, what was your stroke in your events? I swam the 200 and the 500 freestyle. Ooh, those are toughies. Yeah, that 200, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The worst, worst, worst swim to pace. Kind of like the 800 running, I guess. Yes. You either you either die or you you know didn't pace it right. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think my coach did have me swim a thousand in one swim meet, and <laughs> it was like the an initiative thing. I mean, everybody had to go and um, swim the thousand at one point during their college swimming career. And he's running and jumping up and down on the side of the pool, and he's waving a towel and he's screaming. I'm like, man, I must be doing great. <laughs> And all of a sudden I made the turn at like the 600 and I was like, oh, and I, I really felt like I ran smack into the wall and um, it was a horrific, horrific ending. I hit the wall and everyone's laughing at me and I'm like barely able to pull myself up on the deck. And he's like, uh, Jin, we were telling you to slow down because you actually swam the 500 of that thousand faster than you ever swam a 500 before. And I was like, Oh, great. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Followed by 500 yards of oxygen debt. Exactly. <laughs> so I think once you left, uh, like during the end of college, you started hating swimming. Is that right? Yes. I was just so tired of, um, getting up and going to the pool and smelling like chlorine and, you know, walking over to the calf with wet hair. And, you know, uh, I just got tired of staring at that little black line. I mean, we got to go to Florida for winter training, which was awesome because we would be in an outdoor pool. But Pennsylvania doesn't exactly have many outdoor locations for training. So, um, and when they do, it's over the summer and it's a moot point when you're in college. So I, had my last swim meet. I cried my tears of, oh my gosh, I'm a senior. I'm actually going to be thrust into the real world here and um, vowed never to put a cap and goggles on again. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that from many people. Like the few, I've shared a few stories on the Humans of Triathlon on Insta page where a few, especially female swimmers, they said the same thing. And, um, you know, then they found triathlon and that's what made them get back into swimming. Oh, yes. So, um, yeah, when were you introduced to triathlon and what led you to it? Um, I was actually introduced to triathlon um, from a friend whom I have had since grade school. And um, I was going through a divorce at the time and I had started doing half marathons um, and just running for fun. And she was trying to convince me that I should do a triathlon because she really wanted to do one. And um, she knew I was throwing myself more and more into the running just because I wanted to find a healthy venue um, and be a good role model for my two children. I have a 13-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. That's how old they are now. Um, and, you know, at the time, it was just this world of change for me. And 
she's like, but I'm dating this really great guy and he does triathlon. And I'm like, I don't even, what is that? I don't even know what that is. And so she was telling me what it was. And I started laughing at her. I said, a bike? You Like, I haven't been on a bike since I had my little little baby blue huffy with the like white banana seat, you know? <laughs> and um, so I pushed her off and pushed her off for months. And I don't know, finally, I, maybe I got tired of having her tell me I would be good at it or like I should try it or I should do it. And I said, fine, fine, I'll just do it. And um, talk about sticker shock when you go in to buy your first bike as an adult. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> um, and so she came with me to a local bike shop and I bought my, I bought a road bike, an aluminum road bike. And um, I was choking on the cost of that, which is ironic now because compare that to the bike I ride now is like actually probably a fraction of your current speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of amusing. So, um, but yeah, so she got me into it and I started swimming with her and her, um, at the time boyfriend, now husband. And, um, I guess we trained together for a couple months and by the end of that summer, she was telling me that I should probably start riding my bike with her husband. And so we were all set and there was our first try and went to it and man, it was amazing. So what race was that? It was called Quaker Man and it was an international distance triathlon. Not that I knew what that meant. You know, you, you get there and you have, you're given this bag and there's stickers and numbers and all sorts of like little... Yeah, flyers and, you know, you get there and you see such a wide variety of people at triathlons. You see people with buckets, you see people with balloons, you see people with, you know, everything that you could possibly imagine. I'm like, did I need a balloon? Did, what, what? I don't have a bucket, you know, like, what, did I do something wrong here? Um, and so it was all those, you know, normal nerves, I guess, that you would have before you do something for the first time and not really knowing how it's going to work. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, you just go and you swim around those and, and you come up and you transition. You're like, transition. Okay. All right. I got this, you know, and you just pray you can kind of put it all together. Had a great result there, didn't you? I did. I did. I, when I finished, I did, I mean, I had this smile plastered across my face. I, I, literally loved every second and I think that's probably still how, how I feel to this day it's like you love every second of that pain you know it's like my gosh I'm out here and I'm doing this and this is amazing and um I finished and it, you know, somebody was like well you just you won and I was like what <laughs> you know yeah you won and my, my friend's like I don't understand why you're not more excited about this like why aren't you happy I'm like I I'm honestly just trying to figure out what on earth just happened so processing and, uh, Yes. So it took me a while to, to process, but I knew, I knew my passion was born and I knew I found something that I wanted to pursue and, um, really, like I said, uh, throw myself into and, um, get to know more about. And I, you know, I wanted a, I wanted a better bike. <laughs> well, now you've got one for sure. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. So I have serious bike envy seeing your pictures. It's pretty awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I kind of I love it. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. 
So what is your favorite of the three now? Do you have a favorite of the three sports or does it kind of switch around or is um, biking become something more than your huffy? I definitely think the cycling part is my, my favorite. Um, you know, I've interestingly enough had some issues in the water. Um, I had a panic attack once I had, and it's weird cause you're a high school and collegiate swimmer and, um, you know, you've been swimming your whole life and all of a sudden you're experiencing these issues in the water. And I ended up doing a lot of research on it and think I came to terms with one of my friends at the time had said, have you ever heard of this mammalian reflex? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know what that is. And she said, I think your body has started to think that you're drowning and it goes into this like protective mode. And so I've learned techniques and I feel silly um, saying this or even doing it, but you, you start to blow bubbles. Like, you know, you, you would teach like a two-year-old or a three-year-old when they're first getting into the water um, just to submerge their face and become acclimated with the space and that kind of stuff. So I, I think a lot of times while I'm on the swim, I'm just thinking, just get to the bike, just get to the bike. And uh, as soon as I get out of that water, I'm like, yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that before you go onto the bike, just because like, I think so many triathletes think that they'll never get over that or that they're just, um, they can't move past that panic in the open water thing. And it's great to hear that, you know, collegiate swimmers face this, experienced people face this. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was pulled from the water in, in one race. <laughs> um, and you know, I, it, it, my blood pressure was skyrocketing. My pulse ox was ridiculous. I was ready to faint and I was holding on to a kayak. They like dragged me up onto this boat and I was like, what is going on? And I was in medic for probably 20, 25 minutes. And they're like, okay, you're fine. And I was like, all right, great. <laughs> you know, I went out and I cheered for my friends who were racing and one of them came out of the water and I'm standing there and I'm like, yeah, go, go. And he, he's like trying to figure out what on our, he's like, I was trying to process why you were there. <laughs> um, he's like, I knew you hadn't finished, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's interesting to, to talk to people about the water because I, I agree with you. And I think that's one space that um, a lot of people have, have difficulties and challenges with. Yeah, for sure. So I didn't mean to interrupt you at talking about your, your bike passion, but I, I do think that that's great for listeners to hear that, that that is a challenge that lots of people face and they can overcome. Yeah, it is. I, I think, um, you know, some of the other things I've, I've learned are it's, it's, it's not those first 200 meters that you're going to, you know, place high in the swim. And um, <laughs> unless you have a proper warm up. It, 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 the water's not really the place to go and start messing and jacking your heart rate up and, and trying to catch your breath. So I think I've become comfortable enough easing into the swim and, you know, you, you definitely, you learn every year you learn. I mean, I, I continue to learn every race I do. I I'm learning something and, you know, that's, that's definitely an area that once I think you can sort of calm your head down and um, get control of your thoughts and your breathing and you just get into this rhythm and it's just a matter of finding that rhythm and getting out of your headspace. And sometimes it's tough. Last, last June I raced at um, Syracuse half Ironman and um, the, the water was just pelting. I, I, I'm a one, I breathe to the same side, which I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with, but um 
and that evolved because I was not that way in college. My college uh, swim coach would probably scream at me. Um, <laughs> but the water was just bashing you and on the face and like you kind of take a breath and instead you're swallowing water and you know here I am and I'm like uh, I'm doing the the flipping over on my back and doing breaststroke on my back and like doing the side stroke and I'm like Jenny you are in a race what are you doing but it was just you know my way of trying to like regain composure and be like it's okay everybody else is in the same situation we're all in this water together you're gonna, you're gonna get out of this. You're gonna be fine, and you know, I, yeah, I did. I got out of the water. I was fine. So, so staying on the topic of swimming for a little longer. So, what, what's your relationship like with training for swimming right now? Is it any diff- Is your mindset any different than when you were back in college? Is, has your perspective changed on swim training? It, it has definitely. I think um, one of the things that in the winter. I struggle with is like, oh, let's put on all the layers and we're going to schlep all this stuff to the pool and it's going to be this like dark space and I'm going to do laps and there's not windows. And then I have to shower and dry my hair before I leave because it's cold. You know, it's like the whole process of getting there. And then once I'm there, I'm fine. Now that the outdoor pool has opened and um, I think I used to stress myself out and I think a lot of people just put un- undeserved or unneeded pre- you know, pressure on themselves. And it's a matter of finding what works with your schedule and being able to adapt and evolve. And as my children have gotten older, um, I can go and I can swim in the morning now um, before I go to work. The pool opens at five o'clock. I can get in. I get, I get my workout done. I don't have to stress if the swim team is going to be there, who I'm going to be sharing a lane with, whether I'm going to get kicked, whether I'm going to be circle swimming, you know, like stuff like that. So I definitely look forward to getting in the water a, a lot more. And now that it's getting warmer out, our outdoor pools, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania just opened last weekend. And um, so I'm excited. And I, I have a race in, gosh, I think like 10 days or something. And it's just being able to get out in that open water. So in that sense, yes, it's, it's definitely changed. And I even say, you know, I think if the time ever comes where I decide that triathlon is, I need a break or I need something to change. I, I think swimming is going to now stick with me for a lot longer than I thought it would when I left college. <laughs> so yeah, speaking about change then, you know, I read this, I was reading an article that I'm not sure where it was, but um, I read this. I'll, I'll just read it out here. Um, one day I woke up and realized I was not living the kind of life I wanted to be living. My life was incomplete, passionless. Despite being married at the time, having two children, I knew I needed a change. However, taking the steps to make that change would be painful. I no longer wanted to play with society and go along for the ride. I needed more. And I just did not know what it was. It was scary and made me sad. So... That's what you said. So talk to us about that phase of your life for a little bit and what that whole process was, um, what made you realize that there could be more to life and that you could actually have that more for yourself. Yeah, I think I think I was just in a situation where um, society, you know, put two people together and um, he's a wonderful person. Um, I just think that we were at this age where society was telling us that um, we got along, we had things in common, and um, you know we were attracted to each other. And um, oh, hey, yeah, the next logical step is that you should get married. And you know, it's 
it's scary that society does that um, and puts that pressure on people. But I think I just felt like it was normal. I mean, nobody in my family um, was divorced until I got divorced. And I think that was a huge pressure for me. Like I, I felt like I wanted to be able to model true love or, you know, the stigma of what true love meant or, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. So I felt that that wasn't being modeled necessarily to my, my children. And I was living with my best friend at the time and we just didn't have that romantic spark or connection. And I think at that point it was really scary because it, first of all, admitting that, you know, you don't go into a a marriage thinking that it's going to end. And, you know, telling my parents who, as I had mentioned earlier, are still happily married and what, what it would be like for them to um, have to tell their friends that their daughter was getting a divorce. And, you know, I think as the oldest child, there's also that pressure on the oldest one. Like, oh, well, you know, I think I always felt like I had to pave the way or, um, you know, be the, the perfect, you know, child in essence. And I hate to use the word perfect because nobody's perfect, but um, just the pressures that, that you get from, from being the firstborn and, you know, so it was just scary to kind of take that risk and, and the risk of the unknown, what it would look like. At the time, my daughter was two and, you know, my son was four and a half, almost five. And that's that's a lot to handle. And then realizing that you're going to be taking them on alone and you're not going to necessarily have that best friend um, in your house or around and um, that you're going to have to figure things out financially and you know, who's living where. And so it was, it was definitely, it was definitely scary, but I think ultimately the two of us were very mature about everything and we could sit down and talk and we decided that, yes, this would, this will probably be the best. And I definitely feel like communication is super duper important. And to this day, he's somebody I talk to every day, obviously. And, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I, was able to step outside of my comfort zone and do something for myself. And, you know, that's a learning moment too. And I, I feel like it follows through with the sport of triathlon even because, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You're taking calculated risks. You are doing things to better yourself. And I, I, I find no shame in being divorced. And it's, it's interesting because I teach middle school too some of the younger students, like fifth graders, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, your husband. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a husband. And they look at me and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm not sorry. Like, it's okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it, it's just, you know, you still kind of get that that stigma from people who just don't, they just don't understand necessarily. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate to have been able to to, to take that kind of risk. And, you know, I'm sure my, my kids are, are happy and, you know, they smile and we, we play games and, you know, they're interested in the sport and it's, it's, it's nice to see the, the lineage there. My, my son ran cross country this year and he ran track. And so you just hope that you can kind of pass on some of that, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I just have to ask, because you're kind of on the subject of love and relationships and all that, can you fill us in a little bit more on the story of um, of 
how you met Mark and and what it's like to be in this sort of athletic thing together. Yeah, so actually it's funny because we were looking back and it came up on my Facebook page. Oh, you've been friends with Mark Dyson for two years in November. I was like, oh, who knew? We've been friends for two years on Facebook. Um, So we definitely connected through social media. So this is kind of an Instagram love story kind of a thing? Yeah, it is. I guess it is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And he um, and I you know, just followed each other. And, um, I wouldn't say there was much interaction, but I did, uh, officially meet him in Syracuse last June. And Joe, we were both on Bumble. I don't know if you're familiar with that dating app, but, um, you know, he was flipping through it and he's like, took a screenshot cause there I was. And he sent it to me in Facebook messenger and said, look who I found. And um, I was like, Oh my gosh, why are you on Bumble in New York city? <laughs> in New York. And um, yeah, so we started talking more and um, interacting more, obviously. And it, 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 the day that we met, it was just like, it was awesome. And um, he's just such a great person. And um, he balances me out because as much as he loves the sport and participates in trains and races, um, he's got the chill factor going. And, um, that's definitely something that I don't have, <laughs> um, uh, going to everything like super intense. And so he is definitely my, my balance with the sport and, um, helps me to take things a little less seriously when it comes to, um, you know, weekend training. Whereas before, if I was like, Oh, I have a three hour bike, I got to get up at seven. I got to get this done. He's like, why don't you just sleep in? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why do why why don't why I just don't sleep I? in? I don't I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's he's he's a wonderful balance for me, and um, I'm really looking forward to this summer because I'm going to be Sherpa for him for his first full Ironman in Lake Placid, and um, volunteering as a kayaker. I've done that before. It's such a cool experience to be on the opposite side of things, especially on the water. Um, I, since we've been talking about it. And we're headed out to California and, um, you know, Maryland. And, yeah, we've got a lot of lot of plans that involve races. So be, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Go figure, right? <laughs> yes. Well, that's great. I, I really just uh, got a grin out of your posting your kind of whole story, complete with ironic hashtags of how you guys met. Oh, thank <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't, I'm not like, I think somebody needs to just smack me in the face if they're going to be like, do you want to go out with me? (laughs) Instead of, you know, I was like, oh, wait, he just posted the entire lyrics to an Alicia Keys song underneath my post after Chattanooga. I'm like, huh. That wasn't a clue. Yeah, I was like, maybe I should say something, (laughs) you know, like privately. (laughs) So um, we do joke around about it a lot. Yes. So um, he's going to have the benefit of a very experienced Iron Sherpa because you've done four or you're on your fifth? It, let's see. This year? This will be my, let's see, I've done, I did Lake, Lake Placid twice. I've done Kona twice. I've, and I did Louisville. So this will be my sixth. I'm doing Ironman Six. Maryland in October. So, or is it the end of September? I guess it's the end of September. They moved it. <laughs> Sometime fallish. I know, in the fall. Yeah, I it was one of those I got back from 
Hawaii and I was like, I'm never doing an Ironman again. Of course. Everybody and said that. I was, it's like childbirth, yes. right? <laughs> yes. I'm never doing that again. Wow. Um, in fact, I said that after my first one at Lake Placid and my, at the time, then coach looked at me and he goes, well, actually you're doing one in October. And I was like, oh, oh right. <laughs> so yeah, it was two weeks after. And I guess that, you know, that you forget the pain, I suppose. I guess I was in that like dumb, forget the pain, the, the pain and forget the, all the training and everything that goes into it. Cause then you're like high from the race. And I was like, <laughs> I should do another one. You're absolutely right. Coach. I should. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll be thinking about that one when I'm on my bike for like five hours, you know, <laughs> why did I do this? I know. I know. Oh. I mean, yeah, you've, you've, crushed all the I mean so many races like your first time and you you were first in UAG you were fourth amateur I think and you know you like yeah you've done Kona twice you've done Boston I, I read somewhere that you said you train to win but race for passion yes um, and I absolutely love that statement so how about you just elaborate that on a little bit more so how do you balance those two aspects of training hard and being competitive but at the same time not taking away the enjoyment from it yeah so I think um you know, I, I definitely want, when I go into a race, I, my goal is to podium or my goal is to place. And, you know, ultimately you can't control what happens out there. And, um, you know, you never know from day to day who's going to show up or, you know, what might happen when you're out there. So I think being able to go into it, even with goals like that, with the understanding that, you know, something might not go your way and you're just, today is going to be one of those days where you just give it your all and, and you give it your best and you come out and you see what happens. And the ultimate experience I had with that was when I, I was running Boston marathon and I was, ha- I had spine issues and nerve issues and which they turned to my calves and my feet. And I was having really, really bad, um, plantar fascia issues. So I had plantar fasciitis and both my and um, learned that it was stemming from two pinched nerves and a herniated disc in my back and, you know, through all the doctor's appointments and, you know, we figured out the route. So I had physical therapy and, you know, all this stuff going on. Um, And in the meantime, I was managing the end results of what had manifested in my feet. And I was running Boston Marathon and um, at mile nine, I felt this pop and it was almost a little bit of relief, but then it was like, ouch, that's probably not good. But I was in Boston and there are just so many people. It's like the most amazing experience ever. And let me tell you, running a marathon alone. Oh my gosh. I, oof. <laughs> um, and so I decided I was going to finish it and, you know, just chalked that day up to, the experience and just giving it what I could give it. Was it the smartest decision I made? Probably not. Um, I ended up with a 90% acute grade tear of the central band of my plantar fascia. So that set me back for, for yeah, weeks, weeks, weeks. Um, and going into uh, this season, you know, I tore it in April. So going to Eagle Man 70.3 in Maryland that June, I obviously hadn't been running at all. And I was like, well, I'm going and I'm going to swim and I'm going to bike my face off and see what happens. 
and then I'll just turn my chip over. So for me, it became a new type of challenge and I wanted to see how fast I could bike. And my coach was like, yeah, I mean, just leave it all out there. You have nothing to, to lose. You're not going to finish the race anyways. And so I just went out there and I, I like threw down as hard as I could on the bike and I had so much fun. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I got into transition. I hobbled over with my time chip, gave it to somebody and they were like, what you're, you're stopping. And I said, yeah, I am. And then I went out on the course and I was cheering and, you know, so it's, it's things like that, that put it all into perspective. And, you know, I, it, this year I, I do a local duathlon every year in um, Quaker town. And I, I won it the past four years. I did it this year. I saw who was on the list of entrants and I saw two pros, the USAT duathlon champion. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> this is my year to like give it my all, but you know, know that there's a strong possibility that I'm not going to be placing in the top three. And I, I feel like if you can go into something and be happy for other people who are successful and do well, that, you know, it's, it's such a better place to be than upset or angry that somebody beat you. Like it, they're faster than you. They earned it that day. You know, you did your best, but it's okay. And I did end up getting, you know, fourth overall. I, di- I didn't get top three and I I was perfectly fine with it. I went up and I, you know, shook, I'd never met the, um, duathlon champion. I was so excited to meet her. She's so sweet. And, you know, congratulated her, told her her run was disgustingly fast. I think she ran like a five fifty five pace for the five Ks. I know. And, um, so she actually reached out to me on Strava and now we follow each other and support each other on Strava. And, you know, those are the kinds of connections you make this, um, woman named Amy Farrell, who it was actually ranked first in my age group, USAT. And um, she's just an amazing, amazing, humble athlete. And, you know, at Syracuse last year and Timberman, when I've raced it in the past, whenever she ages up and she's in my age group, I'm like, oh, here comes Amy. You know, you can hear her. She's just this runner. And I heard her last June and I could hear people cheering, yeah, Amy. And I was like, I hear you coming, Farrell, you know, and she like smacks me on the butt and she's like, you gave me a race today, you know, and it's, it's fun to have those kinds of relationships and um, be able to be supportive of somebody who like, actually I'm in awe of her, you know, and we're friends on Facebook, we're friends on Instagram. And, you know, she actually just won Santa Rosa and it's just, you know, to be able to, to respect other people and what they're capable of, you know, and, um, being happy for, for them it's not a time to, why would I feel sorry for myself? You know? So I think that's kind of where, where I am with the whole thing. And it's just about perspective and she's faster than I am. They're faster than I am. Yeah. Triathlons. Triathlon is just a wonderfully supportive sport. I think in that regard, you know, the people who come out to the finish line, it just, it seems different than a lot of other sports. People really, even at the pro level, the highest levels really seem to support each other. And even at the age group level, I mean, I talked to somebody the other day and, and the, the guy who's his nemesis in his age group, uh, you know, just ended up in the hospital and he was, he was just kind of devastated just because the competition is friendly and it's fun. And, and over the years, it evolves into companionship and, and friendship. 
absolutely. Absolutely. There's um, this girl named uh, Jennifer Kenny who's in my age group and, you know, she's kicking butts and um, she podiumed at Kona and she podiumed at in Chatty and um, she decided that she was going to go pro this year and um, I saw she hurt herself and it's like, oh, I just, you just feel like you, you feel a connection with these people because you can understand what they're going through and, you know, how, how, how tough that must be. And so I definitely think there's a level of compassion when it comes to most triathletes. I definitely can't say all, but, but most, and well, there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but building relationships is, has been so important to me. I and mean, that's how the whole, going back to what you asked me before about the, taking that risk. Um, I think it was the year I decided, you know what, I'm going to do my first Ironman and I don't know much about this Instagram thing, but I'm going to join it and I'm going to document my journey to Lake Placid. And I was under the mindset that I wanted to inspire and it's evolved, obviously my, my goal with my page, but but I wanted to inspire women who kind of felt like they were at this helpless place in life to feel like they could they could change their current path and they could find something they were passionate about. And it didn't have to be triathlon. Um, it could be anything. And, you know, that's, that's, that was like the ultimate goal of the whole, the whole thing. And, you know, I, I feel like I I took a few blinks and it's like the, the, I have so many connections on, on social media. It's, it's amazing. And, um, being able to interact, I, I think somebody sent me a message the other day and they're like, I can't believe that you actually take the time to respond to every single person who comments. I'm like, wait, well, I won't make another post until I comment back to everybody because that's what it is. It's social media. You're supposed to be social. Like, <laughs> if somebody, you know, like if somebody's taking the time to make a comment, like I'm going to take the time to respond to them. And sometimes it doesn't like warrant an actual like verbiage, but you know, just, just take the time to interact and, and foster those connections. And, um, it's cool because I do have people reaching out to me and they, they ask me questions and it, it, you know, it's uh, a platform to inspire and educate. And yeah. Yes. And I, I, I love that. Well, and even as a teacher, you know, I love that people feel that I'm approachable and they, they can reach out to me and you know, that, I want to be a resource for people. I want, I want people to, you know, if they have questions or fears and, you know, I, one girl who reached out to me last year, she was like, so I think I want to do a triathlon, but I've never really done one. And I was like, well, here, let's start. Here's my email. Let's, let's take this off the Instagram thing. Cause you can only type so much before you're sending like five Give messages. Character limit. <laughs> yes. Um, and so eventually it evolved to texting and, and she's actually become a good friend and I've, I've never met her, but she did her first triathlon <laughs> and she loved it. And you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. It really is. So I want to, I want to ask you about teaching. Um, do you bring triathlon into your classroom? Do you discuss it with your kids? hundred percent. How you interact? One hundred percent. The first day of school, I try to give one of those like motivational things, and uh, I do like a little bit of, "Hey, I'm approachable. I want you to feel like you can come talk to me, and I'm interested in you." Um, and I let them know who I am as a person, and you know, I talk about my children, and I, I talk about um, what happened over this summer, and. You know, that year I tore my plantar fascia was a huge year for me. And I 
was able to come back to school and talk about grit and tenacity and, you know, not giving up. And um, I actually, I have some students who are like, well, is there a local chai club around in the area? And I'm like, yes, there is. And um, so it's, it's neat to be able to sort of foster those connections with students and have them feel that I'm approachable and they can talk to me. I mean, my, I teach art. So I think my classroom environment is an open setting for communication anyways. And um, it's interesting sometimes to hear the side conversations that are going on and I'll pop over and sit down at the table and I'll be like, so, you know, what did you do? And and you learn so many cool things about these kids. These kids do some neat stuff. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's just fascinating. So it, I, I definitely bring it into the classroom, and um, I like to have a lot of the art projects, despite the history behind it, I like to have them be able to make it pertinent to, to who they are, to make it personal, to let them have an actual connection to what they're making. So, like, I mean, redware plates, yay, it's folk art, woo, right? Kind of not exciting subject matter to draw, so I give them a couple options. You can draw something that looks like traditional folk art um, or you can draw something that's personal to you and um, represent that on the plate. Maybe there's a place that you like to go. Maybe there's something you love to do. And I feel like I've gotten so much better about doing that just because I have, I have that passion in triathlon. And of course, you know, they laugh because my examples are always like, Oh, here's swim, bike, run. They're like, Oh, there's a surprise. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, so did you design your tattoo? I did, yes. The little swim bike run. Yes, I did. I've um, I I have designed as I have one on my foot too that I designed after my trip to Kona the the first time I went and the one on my rib cage. I think that's the one you're talking about. The swim bike run. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so that came after. I feel like everything needs to have personal meaning, and I had. It, let's see. Oh gosh, what year was it? I think it was 2010. I did my first half Ironman in New Hampshire. It was Timberman. And um, I had, again, no clue. Like all the bikes are crunched in transition and Ironman, you're like, where do I put my stuff? You know, and I'm like talking to this girl who's racked next to me and she was so nice. I'm like, so socks, I'm going to wear socks, but I don't know what to do with them. And she's like showing me how to roll the socks. And, you know, we connect, we connected at the race. And so uh, when we had finished, uh, she came up to me and she was like, so I came in from the swim and your bike was gone. And she's like, then I came in from my bike and your bike was back. And she's like, and then I found out that you got first place in our age group. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you didn't know what you're doing. And I was like, that, no, I was like, but you know, like I, I love to race. It's not like this was my first race. And so I qualified for Half Ironman Worlds, and they were out in um, Las Vegas that year in 2011. And um, two weeks before I went out there, I was in a nasty bike accident. And um, I had my first ambulance ride ever in my life. Yay, lucky me. Um, I didn't break anything. I had lots of skin abrasions, and I required stitches in a few places, and Um, I was very uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever been involved in a bike accident, but that road rash is killer, right? How about that first shower? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just can't. Um, I had no skin on my hands and my hips, and, like, it was just – I was pretty much a a mess. And everyone's telling me 
you can't go and do this race. And I'm like, no, I, I can go and do this race and I'm going to. And I really obviously struggled to even like put clothes on over the road rash. So I would, first time I went out to ride my bike, um, which was the first thing I could do because I wasn't allowed in the water with stitches. Um, but I wrapped myself all in gauze and I put on a bikini <laughs> and I went out on my bike and people are probably looking at me like, what on earth is happening? And I just didn't even care. That's old um, school triathlon right there. I know, right? I know, right? And I worked on my tan too. So it was kind of a perk. Um, but I went out to Vegas and I hadn't been in the water. I had barely run and uh, my stitches had just been taken out that morning. <laughs> and I had the most awful experience of my life. <laughs> I felt it was horrible. I had the whole panic attack thing in the water. I had the whole just get to your bike thing. And um, I got to my bike and I was like, your happy place. This is your happy place. And my DI2 died with 22 miles left to go on the bike. And people are flying by me at this point. Like you're kind of laughing at yourself because you're like, wow, this is actually happening. And the run, they ran out of water. It was hot. Like, I mean, I was walking next to people who, like, we're complete strangers and we're, we're all sharing ice and sponges. And um, so it was like, I think I cried, like ugly cried probably five or six times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but, I, but I finished, you know, and it was awful time. But I went out there and I did something that people told me I couldn't do, that I shouldn't do. And, you know, while I was out there, I was thinking, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done this. But I did. So when I came home, I was like, I, I need to commemorate this. And so I did that. I drew that. And I made an appointment and got that tattoo. So it's been kind of cool because there's a company called Velocity Sports. And I connected with them on Instagram and kind of became partners for a little while there. And I was, he, we were using the um, tattoo concept for hats and shirts and it was neat. It was really fun. It was really fun. And um, so, yeah, that, that tattoo, I designed that one. Yes. Yeah. Getting back to your IG account, which I love by the way, but like you've been talking, you know, you've been, you just like everyone else, you go through tons of things, injuries and all sorts of stuff. But you always show your smiling face on Instagram. So yeah. uh, what's the reason behind that? Because it can be a little misleading in a sense. Because And now, obviously, I'm not saying that it's fake or anything like that. But it's just that rather you prefer showing that side of yourself than the other side. So why is that? So um, Because I'm different in that sense. Because I use IG as a creative outlet for whatever I'm feeling. And so I show both sides, the dark and the good. Um, so what's your perspective on that whole thing? Well, I just think um, life is short and um, we all experience difficulties and setbacks. And, you know, I, I in the end, um, we get to do this. And I, I don't think that, you know, there's that full comprehension of, you know, there are people who aren't aren't able to do this, whether it's physically or mentally or, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be triathlon, but it's something that they're passionate about. And so I think, you know, I just try to take that approach and, you know, I, I talk about my frustrations and I definitely, I definitely don't, you're right. I don't show 
I think until the story feature came along on Instagram, I didn't talk much about my injuries because I didn't want to be like a downer. I didn't want to go on social media and seem like I was seeking for attention, seeking attention for an injury or something, because that wasn't my purpose of why I started my page. But I do talk about the mental struggles and I think somebody at one point was like, I, I want to see a picture of you like sweating and like miserable. And I was like, you know what? I, done, done. And I posted this picture and literally like, I think sweat was like dripping off my face. And it was just like, I was in a, I was in a hurt locker, <laughs> you know? And, um, I had people sending me messages and they were like, that's my favorite picture of you ever. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I, um, just think it, it, I am starting to use that story feature more in terms of like, Hey, this is, this is some of the real stuff that, that you don't see. And I was showing pictures of my, I fractured my foot last summer, um, the cuboid in my foot. And so I was like showing that journey through my story. So if anyone was like super interested, they could kind of, you know, catch a deeper glimpse of what was really going on in my life through there. And, um, you know, I don't know if any of you saw my story from this morning, but I woke up at one o'clock and I was wide awake, like wide awake in the middle of the night. And, um, I'm sitting there thinking about all the stuff I have to do and laundry and grocery shopping and, um, this bike workout that I've been struggling with because I've been, um, I have, um, seasonal asthma and the season seasons were horrible this year. And, um, I got bronchitis. I've been sick for the past three weeks. And so this workout, I think I, I, and it's, I mean, I'm using the word fail, but I just didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Like my goals, my personal goals were not met through this. Have I been able to be better with knowing that it's okay to walk away from a workout? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But I'm sitting up there thinking about all these things. And finally I look at the clock and it's three. I'm like, Jin, you have been laying in bed for two hours and you could be using your time a lot more wisely right now. So at 3.20, I went down and I busted out that workout <laughs> and I finished, I finished at 4.20 and I packed my stuff up. I went to the pool and I did my swim workout. I was finished everything by 6.10, back home at work by 7.15. And I did that because I felt like if I continued to lay in bed until my alarm went off at 4.40 for my swim, I'd come home and I'd be exhausted and then I'd have to do that bike workout. So in the back of my mind, I was like, well, if you do all of this now, then when you come home later, you can sleep. And literally I slept for like two and a half hours this afternoon and I was out cold. I woke up and I felt like I got run over by a bus. I had like the dry cotton mouth and everything, but it was, I mean, it, it all worked out. So like I did post a story about that, like, Oof, this is when you're when you have your hour and twenty bike workout done by four twenty AM, you know you know it's gonna be a bad day. day. <laughs> yeah. So um but I do like that feature for sure. Yeah, yeah. So as we come to a close over here, um I really need to ask you about your pain cave because I have like Charles mentioned Star, it's I love seeing it in the pictures. So what's what's the idea behind that? all those lights. Thank you. I wanted to just kind of try and create an environment that I could go down and forget that I'm in my basement and forget that I'm like grinding it out on the trainer. And 
the the lights came to me one day because I was like, uh, you know, I was just thinking about the stars and how peaceful it is at night when you're just like looking up at the night sky. And I was like, wait, I can actually like maybe make fake stars in my basement. And so I set out and just started hooking up and staple gunning all these Christmas lights to you know, the rafters in my basement. And um, then I was like, oh, now I need to paint the walls. And I was like, now I need rubber floor. And it just continued to evolve. And um, I've added plants and lamps. And it's like, I now I feel like I'm, you know, in this cool environment. I don't know if you've seen, I think I did post one picture with the disco ball on. <laughs> but um, I have, yeah, I have this like disco ball light thing on the, and it, it like pulsates and does different lights according to whatever music you have. So I can't play it in the morning cause my kids would like come down and probably push me off my bike, but I, it, it's fun. It, it just adds an element. Yeah. It makes it easier to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of take yourself out of your head. Exactly. It makes it easier to suffer. That's a great way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, so wrapping up, um, other than Instagram, where can people find you on social media? Um, I am on Twitter. I'm, still learning Twitter. I, I try to get on it and understand it, but I am on there under the same handle that I am on Instagram. And I'm also on Facebook. Ginny loves um, try, right? Yes. Ginny loves try 24. And I'm also on Facebook as, um, Ginny Cataldi. So. All right. Are there any people you'd like to give a shout out to here? Sure. So my shout out, my shout out goes to, everyone who has connected with me since my journey began and to the connections I've made, to the support systems I've made, and um, also to the friendships. I think most of my real friends have actually come from the connections I've made through social media, so thank you. Um, special thanks to Mark Dyson and my family for putting up with me through this entire journey and my kids. I hope someday to make you proud. And um, just a general thanks to everyone who has chosen to stay in my life. I feel very lucky. So, yeah, thank you for that opportunity. Awesome. So what, what do you have next coming up? What's your schedule? I am going to be racing um, Eagle Man 70.3 in June 8th or 9th, I believe it is. And that's first up. And then I'll be headed out to Santa Rosa 70.3. I've I've never been to California. I'm embarrassed to admit it. But um, I am really, really looking forward to the experience out there. So I'll head there. And then I'm doing Lake Placid 70.3 and Ironman Maryland. Awesome. Wow, okay. That's the race. So, awesome. I'm excited. All right. So, our last question, um, which we ask everyone why do you try? Because I can. And because I found myself through the sport. And ultimately, it it's my passion. Yep. Love that. All right, Jenny. It was a real pleasure having you on here. So, thank you for taking the time and definitely looking forward to following your journey ahead. Well, thank you. Thank you for Definitely. thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with you all. And um, it's been really nice connecting with you. So thank you. Definitely. Thanks for being on there. Finally, a big thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. You all are the reason we do this show. So we hope you're enjoying our guests and the episodes. Head on over to the Instagram post and let us know what was your favorite part of this chat with Ginny. 
Also, if you've liked what you've heard so far on the Hot Podcast, make sure to subscribe to not miss out on future episodes. And it would mean a ton to us if you left a review on iTunes. We've got a few more reviews from some people, so I wanted to give a shout-out to one of them here. So, shout-out to Ken Bull, at Ken J. Bull on Instagram, for the review. Ken's a newbie triathlete in the UK, who's recently completed just his second triathlon, and has his third one next weekend. And Ken, I know you've been dealing with some health issues, so wish you a speedy recovery, and hope you're able to race next weekend. And if not, there's always another one. So, take care. And again, thank you for the review. It's very much appreciated. Everyone else do leave a review. It just takes a minute to do so and helps us out a lot. Alright, that's it from us for now. Till next time, my friends, stay awesome and keep trying.